Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another segment of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vanderbilt here, of course. Trusted canine co-host Woody is here because Woody wouldn't miss a show. That is unless, of course, he was going to school because he goes to school every morning. Anyway, uh, again, welcome to this segment of the show. What we're going to talk about on this part is we're going to get into some detail uh, on some election results or some trends, if you will. I want to talk about big tech and their suppression. They were on Capitol Hill yesterday. That would be Wednesday. And we got the riots going on and then, you know, leftism. What is the difference between a leftist and a liberal? Because again, you notice, I don't say liberal on this show. I say leftist. So let's get into it. Let's dig in. And you leftists that are watching this or listening to this, uh, you're not going to believe any of it anyway, because you think Biden's going to win. You think Biden's in the bag. So much so that I bet some of you have already bought the Biden one t-shirt. That's right. Remember that from 2016? And I'm not talking to you leftists anymore, but you should remember it. You won't. You just simply won't. But remember, you know, people uh, bought t-shirts and say Hillary won before Hillary actually won. I mean, leftists right now that I'm talking to and debating, not really talking to because you can't talk to a leftist, are basically saying Biden won. Already, they're, they're calling it. They're calling it. Too bad that state you're in is going to be Biden state. Uh, they're doing, as I said, the exact same thing they did in 2016. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Now, there's one major difference. One major difference. Maybe a couple. The one major difference this selection election is Trump has an enthusiasm like I've never seen. The enthusiasm gap between Donald Trump and Joe Biden is a world apart. I mean, world apart. You've got to go to other planets to get close to, to touching these two enthusiasms together. There's literally zero enthusiasm for Joe Biden. I mean, he gets like 10 to 20 people at a rally and Kamala Harris is the same thing. 10 to 20 people, maybe. I know, I know, you leftists, you're gonna say social distancing. That's because they respect the virus. No, it's not. You know it's not. Now, the one thing I'll give Joe Biden is, I said this the other day, he may single-handedly bring, be the guy that brings back drive-in movies because people are going to his rallies in cars. And again, he's not even getting that many cars. So you've got this huge enthusiasm for Trump. And you, didn't, you, ha- you had enthusiasm for Trump at a certain level in 2016, but not like this. The, the motorcades, the rallies, the flotillas, it's just unbelievable. And it's in California. It's in New York. It's in uh, Hawaii. I saw a video just the other day that there was a Biden bus followed by 100 Trump cars. You know, the cars with the Trump flags and all that stuff on it. And there are more Trump supporters that come out to a, a Biden rally to not for Biden. They're there cheering Trump on, egging Biden on. And one of them, Biden famously, you may have seen the clip, called them those chumps out there. So he called Trump supporters chumps. Remember deplorables? Basket of deplorables? There is so much in this election that's like 2016, but that enthusiasm gap is what's going to do Biden in. 
Here's a uh, from uh, the Federalist. The headline is Trump is doing better in Michigan and Wisconsin than polls suggest. And the subheadline: a week long trip through these Midwest battleground states, uh, talking with ordinary people, convince us the polls aren't telling the full story. And they're not. It's anecdotal. I'm not going to get into into the anecdotal part, but it's anecdotal. You go around anywhere, and the enthusiasm for this president is like none other I've seen. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I've been very uh, intuitive and uh, focused on politics since 1992. So, you know, a little bit of time. And I've never seen the enthusiasm. Now, for a presidential candidate, I've seen for Donald Trump. And what also people are saying is uh, what's different in 2016 or from 2016 now is Trump has a record to ride on. Uh, yeah, and it's a pretty darn good one. I mean, look at where the economy was prior to the pandemic. Uh, this virus from China hit, and that's the only thing the left has. That is it. The only thing they have is the vi- is is the pandemic, the so-called pandemic. That's it. They they want to attribute those two hundred and fifty thousand deaths on Trump, which is absolutely morbid, and it's just uh, abhorrent that they would do that. But the death rate in this country in relation to our total population is 0.000065 something. That's, I'm, I'm, I feel for the deaths, but that's not, that's just not a big number. It's just not. Do we, we go in absolute panic, chicken little falling for that number? No, and that's what Trump has not done. He was correct in not want to, wanting to incite fear. And he was correct in his policies in preventing more deaths. Joe Biden infamously was in charge of the H1N1 um, uh, virus. It wasn't a pandemic, but it was a virus. 66 million people were infected. I think we're at like 8, 9 million people now. And this one's more deadly. So the left, they don't care about that, though. They don't, they, they, logic and reason does not fit into the left's mindset. They don't care. All they care is orange mad bad. It's, got, it's all they got is the, the Chinese virus to bitch and moan about President Trump. So that's all they're going to use. And then the polls. The polls show Biden leading in a lot of polls. Not all of them, by the way. Uh, Trump is moving up. You know, Trump, uh, and we're talking just battleground polls. You know, you can go to California and Biden's up 30%. You can go to Alabama and Trump's up 20%. You can go to Mississippi, Trump's up like 15%. You can go to a lot of states where Trump's up like those numbers are that Biden's up in California, New York. And then you got the battleground states where they're all in single digits for the most, and they are all in single digits. A couple of polls like Wisconsin, there's a poll that just came out of Wisconsin that showed Trump or Biden up 17%. That's, that's not a real poll. And it skewed the overall aggregate number in real clear politics. So you've got to start looking at trends. And I've been saying this forever. Look at the trends. So uh, one of the less favorite outlets for news, Breitbart.com. Okay, I said that sarcastically, of course. They'll just say right wing, right wing. Oh, do it. Do it now. Come on, right. Leftist, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you some trends that I'm going to read from Breitbart. And I want you to just absolutely froth at the mouth that I'm using an alt-right source, Breitbart, okay? Now, remember, Breitbart. I'm going to say it again for you leftists out there so it just gets you all riled up and you're smiling right now. They're not credible. They, they, they are nothing but in the bag for Donald Trump. That's right. You should use, you should use a, a, a viable source like, I don't know, NBC? NBC News? They're, they're pretty 
viable, right? Okay, I'll do that. Thank you very much, leftists, for giving me that suggestion. So back to the Breitbart piece. <laughs> just wait, just wait. Uh, on Monday, Democrats held an 8.42 to 34% lead in early voting in Arizona, which was already down from their 13-point lead in 2016. Today, Democrats only have a six-point lead of 41 to 35%. That's early voting. So Arizona, by the way, for a while there, Trump was trailing, but he's starting to really move up in Arizona. But let's talk about early voting. You know, some states report party affiliation for early, early voting. You don't know who the person voted for. All you know is the number of early votes that came in. And in some states, not all, you know, the party affiliation. So you can start getting a pattern, a trend. Historically, Early voting um, favored the Democrats. Democrats were more likely to early vote. And then when the poll, when the election day came around, more Republicans were likely to go to the polls. So let's dive into a few of these battleground states from this piece from Breitbart. Remember that leftist? Breitbart. Uh, how about this one? In Michigan, the GOP has a two-point lead, 39 to 41% in the early vote, the same as it was yesterday. Uh, listen to that. In Michigan, that's a big battleground state, and they're, Biden's leading in that one by like seven or eight points. In Michigan, the GOP has a two-point lead in early voting, 39 to 41. But you know what the leftists are saying to me right now? That's Breitbart. That's not, a, that's not a real news outlet. You know what? I tell you what. Let's go to a real news outlet because in this Breitbart piece, there's a link. You see the, the, the state name Michigan, and it's a hyperlink. Let's click on that hyperlink. What does it do? What does it go? Oh, look, it takes me to NBC News. And what does it do? It gives me that from NBC News. And you click on the NBC News, and it goes down, and it shows you early voting, uh, party registration, uh, 41% Republican, 39% Democrat. Mail-in ballots requested 3.2 million. It's from NBC News, lefties. NBC. Yeah, I thought so. So right, this is from NBC News. They show, and these are numbers that are just reported by the state. Early voting right now, or at least as of yesterday, 41% of the requested mail-in ballots came from Democrats and 39, I'm sorry, 41 from Republicans, 39 from Democrats. Clearly, that's an outlier, right? NBC News has that one. Well, let's go to the next bullet line in the Breitbart piece. In Wisconsin, the GOP is up five points in early voting, 42 to 37. Again, there's a hyperlink on the state of Wisconsin, so we can go look at it and guess where it takes me to. Well, <laughs> you conservatives, you know, you leftists are thinking uh, probably some redstate.com or something like that. No, no. All of them, by the way, just so we get to this out of the way, takes you to NBC News. This information reported through this Breitbart article is from NBC News. So in Wisconsin, early voting, Republicans are up 5%. In Florida, a little tricky in Florida, uh, the GOP is closing the gap and is now down just seven points, 43 to 35%. By the time early voting ended in Florida in 2016, Democrats had a one5 Five advantage. There are still a couple early voting days left in the Sunshine State, and now that you can early vote in person as opposed to only by mail, Republicans who prefer to vote in person are starting to turn out. And I heard a report the other day that in Dade County, Dade County is very blue, that the request or the Republicans, um, 
registration is up exponentially. So Florida is tied right now in the real clear politics average. It's tied, which means it favors Trump. Uh, in Georgia, I had a leftist the other day saying, um, my home state, by the way, I was good, you know, it must be bad for you to go for Biden. It's not going to go for Biden. In Georgia, where Biden left his basement to head out to today, this was yesterday's reporting, the GOP is up 50 to 43% in early voting. 50 to 43% in early voting. These are big numbers. In Ohio, Republicans leave 48 to 39%. In North Carolina, this one's a little tricky too. Democrats have a 10-point lead, 40 to 30%. But in 2016, they had a 13-point lead, and Trump still won the state by five. Hence, trend favors Trump. Follow the trends, people. It's about the trends. The polling, you know, polls are unscientific. They're just averages. I know, I know they're mathematical, science, math, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry, polls are just averages. They, they, they pool information. They are not absolute. Uh, in Pennsylvania, now this is the one. This one is interesting. In Pennsylvania, which polls show is growing more competitive by the day, Democrats uh, up are 70 to 21% in early voting. So the Democrats are up 71 to 21%. However, however, it's very competitive in Pennsylvania. Biden is only up 3.5% in the aggregate poll. That's it. And he's falling below where um, Hillary Clinton was at the same time. Now, here's what's interesting. I checked out these numbers yesterday. In Pennsylvania, 6 million people voted last election cycle. 6 million. Less than 2 million have already um, did early voting. Less than 2 million. In, in a lot of states that I checked, it was either 50%. Texas was like 90%. California was like 90% to where they, like, the vote was last time. In Pennsylvania, which I believe is a key and crucial state for President Trump, if he wins Pennsylvania, he wins the election. Period. End of story. So you left us. Look, you've got a ray of hope right here. Hang on to it, man. At every, the last call, hang on to this ray of hope. I'll read this sentence again because you guys are going to love this. You left this, I mean. Um, in Pennsylvania, which polls show is growing more competitive by the day, Democrats up are 70 to 21% in early voting. So the Democrats are 70 to 21% in early voting, except what I just said. 1.8 million people have uh, com com uh, early voted in Pennsylvania, 1.8 million. Six million people voted in Pennsylvania in 2016. By all indication, it looks like we're going to have a record turnout in, a, in this election. So Pennsylvania is, um, is not participating as heavily as other states in the early voting. And what did I say just earlier? Just a little bit earlier. Leftists, you probably already forgot this because you're so hung up on Pennsylvania. What I said earlier was in vote in-person voting favors Republicans. Pennsylvania is leaning and trending towards Trump. Biden's not doing as well in the polls right now at this point in time in Pennsylvania as Hillary Clinton was, and Biden's from Pennsylvania. Now this next piece, oh, you leftists are just gonna, you might as well just give up right here. Oh, oh no, you'll just call me, uh, what, do, what, do you, what is it? Trump Penzi, Trump Tards. I mean, just more childish names, right? Right. So, <laughs> five days left of the election. Five days of this. Uh, this is from 
Don Serber. Don Serber has a blog, and it's a very good blog. And he he was a former um, uh, reporter, and now he just does this blog. And this blog t- is dated Wednesday, October 28, 2020. And here's the title. Democrats fear they lost Pennsylvania. <laughs> now, Don Serber is pretty good, actually. Uh, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, a town of 9,458 people easily tripled its population on Monday when Air Force One landed at its airport for a rally by barnstorming President Donald J. Trump. Uh, The experts all say Pennsylvania is lost to the Donald. Uh, Nate Silver says Biden will win easily by five points. Uh, Overall, Nate gives uh, Nate's aggregate gives President Trump a 12 percent chance of reelection. But President Trump keeps holding rallies. People keep showing up and a good time is had by all. This makes reporters nervous because he is a wild and entertaining man. Jokes are reported as straight news. Victor Fiorillo of Philadelphia attended a Trump rally in January, and he was horrified to meet people who support the president. (laughs) They are outside his ken. Uh, Fiorillo ended his story. He'll turn 18 in time to vote in his first election. He'll be voting for Trump. I asked him what he hopes to hear from Trump at the rally. He seemed to think about it for a moment, and then he shook his head. Honestly, I just really want to be in the room with the man, he told me. He's like a rock star. I just hope that I get in. Hours later, he texted me this photo from the well-earned, and he got to see President Trump. Um, The excitement in Pennsylvania towards Trump is uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's getting people to his rallies where the population, it's more than the population of the towns where the rallies are held in. This case, nine 1,458 people showed up in a rally to a town that that triples the population of the town that he held the rally. And now people drive in from other towns. I get it. Um, I'm telling you, it's not looking good for Pennsylvania. I believe, I believe that Donald J. Trump will win Pennsylvania and the election. Uh, you know, this the the excitement for this candidate is just unbelievable and trump is holding these rallies whereas biden he's biden's hiding he's been in his basement and this article goes on to just talk about all the people that are are excited about this president in pennsylvania it's anecdotal stories but polls are anecdotal stories because here's you know your it's polls are not a complete sampling it's just a sampling but the trafalgar group has the president up in pennsylvania by 0.9 percent and you leftists are going outlier 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 they called it last cycle they were one of two one of only two outlets that called the election for president trump only uh, the other one is um some a group out of georgia something advantage forget the name of them again i'm forgetting the name of them. forgot it yesterday and they have called the Pens- right now they have the polls up for Trump in Pennsylvania, the polls up for Trump in Michigan, and I believe the polls flat for Trump in Wisconsin. Those are the three states. Those are the three states. But what does Trump need to do to get to win the election? He needs to win the Electoral College, right? If you don't win the Electoral College, as Hillary Clinton found out, as well as Al Gore, you don't win the election. It's all about the electoral college. So PJ Media did a, a war game. So they war game the electoral college. And can Biden, it's the, the, the headline is, can Biden thread the needle to 270? Well, sure he can. 
but it doesn't look good for Biden. And here's why. Biden's in the, um, the, he's in the position where he has to flip Trump states. That's not a great position to be in. He's got to flip. In order for Biden to win, he's got to flip Trump states. He can't win elsewhere, which obviously, right? So, you know, real clear politics has the, you know, several states as toss-up states, 125 solid for Trump, and I forget how many solid for Biden, like, you know, 215 or something like that. So real um, PJ Media went through these and looking at some of the um, the battleground states, you know, some of them were just, uh, you know, as I've been saying, Trump's going to win these states. Like they have Texas as a battleground state, which is why Biden went there. It's ridiculous. Clinton did the same thing in 2016. She did the exact same thing. You're trying to tell me, and the polls don't favor Biden, by the way. Trump is up in the polls or it's close to tide, which means Trump's going to win, uh, that Biden's going to get Texas. No not going to happen. And George is the same way, not going to happen. Florida, it's trending very tightly to President Trump. So these are states, if you take out those states that are trending very, very favorably to Trump, he's going to win Texas. He's going to win Georgia. And I know my friend on YouTube, you don't believe that, but he's going to. I live here. I see it. I see it on the street. I, I mean, I've been through the state. And the same thing with Florida. The amount of enthusiasm for Trump in Florida is unbelievable. When I went down there, I think last month it was, I mean, the flotillas I saw every day we were down there, we saw a flotilla in the bay. I mean, we saw tons. We saw cars driving around. Across the street from the hotel I was staying at was a small RV park, and this is in Pensacola, Florida, and Trump flags were all over the place. Yeah. The enthusiasm for Trump in Florida, he wins Florida. So PJ Media did their own battleground um, or, or war game of the Electoral College, and they came up with a map that has Biden at 212 and Trump at 247. And then the toss-up states are Nevada, Arizona, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. And, I mean, and then... Um, Nebraska and Maine, they each, you know, they have some funky electoral things. One goes to one, one goes to the other. I won't even, let's not even count those. Let's just look at what PJ Media's got right here as far as the narrowed battleground states. And I agree with their map, 100%. So in order for Biden to win the election, Biden has to win Texas, has to win Georgia, has to win Florida. He's not going to win those states. It's just not going to happen. Sorry, it's not going to happen. You left us. You can say it all you want. So the real battleground states has Trump at 247 and Biden at 212. That, and, oh, sure. Now, maybe I should have said real. My opinion and the opinion of um, PJ Media that put this together, and I agree with it, that Biden is sitting at 212. His path to victory is, starts at 212. Trump's path to victory starts at 247. Now, I've said here probably about a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago, that um, Florida was, I was worried about Florida. I'm not worried about Florida anymore. The polls have trended really, really positively for Trump. And again, polls are barometers, people, barometers. They give you an idea. They're not an exact. And I know, I know a lot of people say, don't trust the polls. Don't trust the polls. No, 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 no. Polls give you a barometer. That's what they're there for. You don't take them at face value. You read the trends. And by all indications, the trends are Trump's going to win Texas, Trump's going to win Georgia, Trump's going to win Florida. So Trump now, he's at 247. If he wins Pennsylvania, now we're at 267. He needs three more. 
Again, this is why I say Pennsylvania. It all hangs on Pennsylvania. I believe he wins Arizona because the polls, the trend has been very positive for Trump in Arizona. I mean, it's been a complete turnaround. And if he gets Arizona and Pennsylvania, he wins the election. And anything else after that, it's just icing on the cake. Now, here's the thing about the icing on the cake. It's very important, the icing on the cake, meaning more electoral votes. If he can win Michigan and Wisconsin like he did last time, and as well as Minnesota, because Minnesota's starting to trend toward him, uh, he wins the election with a, a plurality, so to speak, and he wins the election with a large electoral vote. If he can get more electoral votes this time than last time, and, and he wins the, elect, the popular vote, then he has a stronger mandate to do what he needs to do in his second term to get this country back on track from the China virus and to get us to a position where we are the most economically powerful nation in the world, bar none, without exception, far out exceeding, uh, exceeding what China's doing and any other country on the nation. If President Trump wins re-election, America will be in a position like it has not been in in decades, if not generations. And this leftist online that I've been going back and forth with who said this is not like the 2016 election, it's more like the 2012 election, was wrong. This is actually more like the 84 election. Go back and look at that one. That's what this election reminds me of. So it looks good for Trump. I believe, I feel very positive. And you know what? If he loses, it'll be a dark day for the country. There's no doubt about that. Biden will not be president for long. Kamala Harris will be president. She is the most leftist senator in the Senate. When she was challenged on that, on that 60-minute interviews by, I think it was her name, Nora Brown or whatever her name is, she laughed. She just laughed. And that's what she does when she can't answer. She, she gets nervous. She does that, that, that cackle. Remember the Hillary cackle? We have that in the VP candidate. Again, tell me how this is not similar to 2016. This is so similar to 2016, it's mind-boggling. It's so similar to 2016 that the left is ignoring the trends yet again, and they're anxious about the trends. Don't get me wrong. They, the ones that are smart, and there's not very many of them, that's me picking on the left, um, they know. Deep down, they know. They're worried. Those pundits on TV, on MSNBC, they're worried. CNN, you know, they're worried about just having a network in the next couple of years. So they've got a whole different kind of worry to go about. But the far hardcore leftists that get it, that are trying to fundamentally change this country, aging Barack Obama, they know. They know. And by the way, Barack Obama doesn't even have the juice, it seems, that he had before. He's getting very few people at his rallies. So what have they decided to do? Bar Barack Obama and Biden are going to be at a rally together for the first time, I think, this week. I think it's in Pennsylvania because they better. I mean, if they were smart, they'd be, they'd be barnstorming Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. They would leave Georgia alone. They would leave Texas alone, and they would go, boom. I could tell the left. This is what I love about the left. You, you guys are so hard-headed. I could tell you straight to your face that this is what they, they, they should do. But because I say it, a conservative, not me, E, but because a conservative says it, no, nope, we're going to do the exact opposite. It's, just, it's called reversing, and it works so beautifully. Tell a leftist to his face what you think, and they won't believe it. Even if, even if it helps them, or you think it helps them, why would you tell them that it'll help you if, if they won't do it? No, no, they will. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, all you leftists out there, every comment I get from you on my online 
uh, social media platforms, it helps in my algorithm. I will tell them straight to their face, you know, you post in you, your comments here, help me, thank you. And they'll, they'll still keep posting back and forth. It's amazing. Cognitive dissonance, dissonance just a wonderful thing on the left. They, they excel at it. All right, let's move on from uh, the election. We've got five days left and it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's almost over. Thank goodness it's almost over. It has been the longest election that I can remember. So let's talk about this big tech suppression thing. Yesterday, uh, let's see, the CEO of Google, Facebook, and um, Twitter gave some testimony to Congress. And you know what? It, it was all show. It, it means absolutely nothing. It, it's, it's just, I mean... I, sometimes I wonder if the Senate didn't have these hearings, if they would actually, what would they do? I mean, I guess they wouldn't do anything. It would just be paying them a pretty decent salary for them doing nothing because I'd rather pay them a decent salary for them to do nothing. I would rather nothing come out of the Congress, no laws, nothing except deregulation. Let's do that. But anyway, so they had these three guys up there. And if you saw any of it, you know, the, the, um, the CEO from Facebook, uh, from Google, Meh, you know, there wasn't much that came out of that. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he looked like he was a deer in the headlights. He does not know what his low-level people are doing. He just doesn't. It's a big company. And to sit there and ask him questions about what down to the nuts and bolts of interaction between specific people, you know, Zuckerberg came across as not really knowing what his people are doing. And, and he had one exchange where the reason that they throttled back the New York Post story was because the FBI warned them. So Twitterverse went crazy saying, ah, the FBI is colluding with Facebook to tell them to suppress the story. That's not what happened. Don't get sucked up into that. What Zuckerberger said was that the FBI warned them of potential disinformation. So they are using that as an excuse to throttle back stories that they don't like. That's bar none. That's what they did. He won't admit it because it's, wait for it. Remember that phrase from Bidengate, plausible deniability. That's where Zuckerberg was. Now, Dorsey, Jack Dorsey at Twitter. Did y'all see him? Did you hear him? Now, if you're familiar with the DISC profile, you know, D-I-S-C, D, pro, uh, personality traits, and these communication styles. D is dominant, I is inspirational, S supportive, C conscientious, very detail-oriented. He's obviously a high C. And so I got that from, you know, I got that from him, but then he's got this long, he looks, he looks like he's going mad, was my opinion. He, he looked, you know, some people opine that he looks like the Unabomber. I mean, he looked, he was scraggly, and that dude, he's, you know, he's a billionaire, and he's very eccentric, you can tell. But he sounded like he's a little more closer to the ball and not, not in a good way. He seems to have more control of what's going on. He got tripped up quite a bit. And, and it doesn't matter what he said. He's not, you know, he said the one thing he said about the New York Post story is what caught a lot of attention was that, um, you know, he got challenged for blocking their account until they delete the story. And he goes, well, that was the old policy. We have a new policy. And by the way, the new policy started the day he was given the testimony. Yeah, it was yesterday. And he basically said that if they delete the old story, they can post a new one. That, I mean, you know, he kind of said it in that deadpan manner. Why can't you just turn it on, turn off the suppression? But he won't do that because he's a hardcore leftist and, you know, their cognitive dissonance is just all over the place. So, but he was just weird just weird. Now, here's what is at issue, and uh, I'll kind I'll of um, wrap it up. Not Forget about their testimony. It was worthless. It was absolutely worth Nothing will change. Uh, 
Um, nothing will change until consumers do something. This is all regarding Section 230 of um, the Communication Decency Act. Now, the Communication Decency Act was passed in 1996, and Section 230 gives these big tech giant platforms the out of, for being sued for opinions. And I'll read the relevant part of Section 230 and, and, and discuss why I think um, I, I don't think that the, the legislation should do anything. Yeah, I, I don't think there should be anything done other than the consumers react to this. Consumers, we, we, their, their customers are the ones that should act and cha for change. It shouldn't be government. I'm, I'm, I'm adamant about little government. I'm a, my, my beliefs, I'm libertarian, and I'm adamant that less government is good. So if you want to start bringing in more government regulations to, to control the big tech giants, I think it just opens up a Pandora's box of things that we don't want. Um, because right now, they do have control. There are private companies. But here's Section 230. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. I'll read that again. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Meaning that if I put something very salacious on a, uh, let's say I tweet out that um, um, Jack Dorsey drinks the blood of children. Well, Twitter can't be held liable for me saying Jack Dorsey drinks the blood of children. Twitter can't, I cannot be sued uh, for liable by saying that, uh, or Twitter can't be sued. I, Twitter cannot be sued by Jack Dorsey for me saying that on his platform, by the way, on Twitter's platform. So it gives basically them uh, protection from people saying crazy, batshit stuff. And they're not liable for what, what you and I tweet, put on Facebook, write on Google. They're not liable for it. They're just an information provider. So... If you, but the problem is, and this is where a lot of people challenge what I just said. The problem is they can suppress everything like they did with the New York Post story. They can just turn it off. They can suppress that speech. And people will say that, that, that's free speech. They're suppressing free speech. It's in the Constitution. It is not. Free speech in the Constitution relates to government. Government controlling your free speech, not private entities. Twitter, Google, Facebook are all private companies. They can do whatever they want. And you have the right to stay on there or you have the right to get off. And they have the right to kick you off. It goes back to, do I have a right to kick somebody out of my store that I don't like? You know what? If it's based on, you know, the federal government does have some rules on this. You know, there's some, um, you know, race relation rules. You know, you can't, kick somebody out just because they're black, Hispanic, Chinese, that is against the federal law. So, but in any, most cases, you have a right to not do business with somebody. Now, I know what a lot of people are saying, what about those, um, uh, those bakers? 
that were sued because they wouldn't bake a gay cake. That was wrong. They should have had every right not to be able to bake that big gay cake. And this is what the left tries to do. They use the court. There's a story going around. There's some guy. He's a transgender. And he goes to these uh, Brazilian wax shops. And he's suing them for not giving him a Brazilian wax. Now, they can't give him Brazilian wax because he's a man. He's, he has male genitals. Technically, that's not. But he's suing them. So left will use the court for that. Do you really want to open up this Pandora's box? I don't. Now watching those big tech giants squirm the way they did was enough for me. Will they enact some change because of it? I doubt it. Uh, at Facebook, what Facebook needs to realize is their, their audience skews a little older, which skews is a little more conservative. And from what I understand, they've lost a lot of users. Twitter has lost a lot of users. In the last, I just read an article the other day, Twitter has lost like 20% of its revenue. So that's, how you impact change in these organizations. It's through their pocketbooks. Now, I know it's hard. Facebook, they're the largest platform out there. YouTube, second largest platform out there. Twitter's got like 330 million users, right? But there are other outlets. You know, I'm, I'm frustrated with Twitter. I'm shadow banned on Twitter. I mean, I'm, I'm suppressed on Twitter. I just got um, a ban from TikTok because I called out Robert Wright for his fascist behavior. So I get it. And I was shadow banned, by the way, before I was outright banned because of my conservative views. I wouldn't say anything that was outrageous. I'm not part of the alt-right. I'm, I'm, I'm just a conservative guy with a, an opinion and a microphone. And I lean libertarian. I want less government. So the big techs do suppress voices. And the way to get at the big techs is through through their pocketbook. Case in point, Drudge Report. Drudge Report has hemorrhaged users because he went left. He went far left and he's hemorrhaged users, hemorrhaged them. And there's another alternative called Citizens Free Press, which I highly recommend you check it out. Now, Citizens, they're a Drudge alternative, but they're being suppressed. Bing, Yahoo, DuckDuckGo just took them off their platforms or suppressed them, throttled them back somehow but you could still get to them. And I've been saying this a lot with this show too, is if you're using, if you're an iTunes, Apple uh, podcast user, please uh, subscribe and rate this show five star. It helps move it up the algorithms. You can offset them on all conservative platforms. Any conservative you listen to, if you like, share and rate and subscribe, then it will move them up in the algorithms. It'll, it'll offset what big tech is doing. And the same thing for YouTube. Subscribe. If you subscribe to the shows, it'll, still move them up into the algorithms. And that's what you got to do with all of them. That's how you offset big tech is they, they can plug in an algorithm and look for keywords. And by the way, I don't use hashtags and I don't use conservative hashtags anymore. I don't use hashtags like MAGA or anything like that because the bots are looking, the algorithms looking for that to suppress you. So we can, we can beat the big tech, but, you, you, you got to do it strategically. And if enough people do this, big tech will be going, wait a minute, something's going on here because this is their revenue stream, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Facebook's got money, gobs and gobs of money. YouTube's owned by Google, gobs and gobs of money. Twitter, not so much. Twitter's hemorrhaging some money. Twitter's never really made a lot of money. 
it's big but if you don't know jack dorsey also um owns and was a founder of square i won't use square for that reason by the way uh that's where his that's where a lot of his wealth and income and money come from is that square not twitter twitter's hemorrhaging money it's not a lot of value no doubt and you know he a lot of his wealth is tied up into it but twitter is losing a lot of people too twitter's hemorrhaging all right, real quick, I got a couple of things I want to get into. Uh, there's more I wanted to go over that, but this is going kind of long. I mean, Twitter censored Trump again, so they're not going to change. They're just not going to change. Um, a little, here's a story out of Newsmax, and I don't really quote Newsmax too much. I used to follow them years and years and years ago. I mean, a long time ago, back in the 90s, I think it was. But I, they just went too far for me, so I haven't really done much with Newsmax. But this caught my eye. Hillary Clinton. Most Republicans are cowards, spineless enablers of Trump. Is that woman ever going to get over the 2016 election? I mean, is she, and she looks horrible. I mean, they put a pretty bad picture on here, but there's even worse pictures now that you see her online in her, you know, coffee clap chat things, whatever they are. Uh, but come on, Hillary, get over the election already. Just get over it. Ugh. And then uh, Pennsylvania, you know, is going through, a lot of the riots right now. The Democratic Governor Wolf called the mass rioting and looting peaceful protests. Can you imagine that? Have you seen, you've, have you turned on the news and seen what's happened? I think it's about three or four days now of riots in Pennsylvania because the police shot a man coming at them with a knife because he was black, is why the people are rioting and looting. How do you think that's going to play in voters' mind who hasn't voted in Pennsylvania? Remember, only 1.2 million people have early voted in Pennsylvania and 6 million voted last time. How do you think those people now watching this who haven't voted yet and these riots are going crazy in Pennsylvania and their governor comes out and says, it's mostly peaceful protests. I tell you what, I tell you what. I, I, wanted, I had this one last piece I want to get to, but I think I'm going to do it on a separate um, episode segment uh, where i wanted to go just on leftism is, is versus liberalism but uh this is i've gone a little long on this because it's pretty good topics and uh, i wanted to make sure i fleshed everything out so um i'll, I'll catch that on a different uh, segment so look for that in another one so thank you for listening to this segment of the pbl podcast again as i mentioned with the big tech thing please 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 if you're listening to this on apple podcast uh please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and it, on youtube if you're watching this on youtube or if you have a youtube channel or youtube subscription whatever it is go to youtube subscribe to our channel because what it'll do as i mentioned it'll move us up in the algorithms we can offset and beat big tech so subscribe 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 and again thank you for listening to this episode of politics and brown liquor